0: thanks, Mark. <laughs> Shall we pray before we come round God's words? And so, Heavenly Father, in this in this time, in this moment, God, we just want to first and foremost continue to put you at the forefront, to have you as our focus. You're worthy of it all. You deserve all the praise. You deserve all the glory. And Lord, we pray, Lord, in this time, would your kingdom continue to to come, Lord, would your Holy Spirit continue to speak to all of us, down to our innermost being. Lord, I pray, Lord, may we, all of us receive what you want to impart to us this morning. And Lord, we pray, and I pray, Lord, anything that's of me may be blown away and forgotten, but Lord, anything that's of you, Lord, may it just resound in our hearts so as we bring transforming, transform, transformation to us, Lord. Heavenly Father, we pray, would your kingdom come, And your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, if you want to open up your Bibles or turn them on, we're going to be in 2 Kings chapter 4 from verse 1. And we're going to be uh, talking on the subject of your nothing is something. Your nothing is something. And we are coming into this part of this passage where we have a woman and she's in desperate need and beyond, I think it's beyond desperate, you could possibly describe it and we're going to, the words are up on screen and it says this, 2 Kings chapter 4 from verse 1 says, Now the wife of one of the sons of the prophets cried to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead and you know that your servant feared the Lord.'" But the creditor has come to take my two children to be his slaves. And Elijah said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what have you in the house? She said, your servant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. Then he said, go outside, borrow vessels from all the neighbors, empty vessels and not too few. Then go in and shut the door behind yourself and your sons and pour into these vessels. And when one is full, set it aside. So she went from him and shut the door behind herself and her sons. And as she poured, they brought the vessels to her. When the vessels were full, she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another. Then all the oil stopped flying. She came and told the man of God and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts and you and your sons can live on the rest. We, we have this woman and it's amazing, isn't it, when all of us know that when the tough times c- come, life doesn't perhaps work around our crisis now, time and time again, it seems like when one thing happens, the next thing happens, and it's just like a bombardment, isn't it? Sometimes we think, oh, is there just, is there any just peace? Is there, can it just stop? We just need a moment's rest. I just, need to, I just need to breathe. Can I just have a week? Can I have a day where there just isn't any problems to think about and to worry about? And I wonder if we put ourselves in this wounds situation. It's through no fault of her her own that her husband has passed away. He's one of Elisha's uh, disciples, uh, trainees, learning learning from him. And he's the breadwinner of of the family. He would provide protection. He'll be looking after, and I can imagine, after a little bit of time, how perhaps the money was going down, the food was going bare in the house, and perhaps she had to buy, she had to sell things, and it got to the point where she borrowed so much, there was nothing in the house left to sell, apart, and it's there, and she's at her wit's end. I wonder, for her, how many sleepless nights did she have? I mean, I, sometimes we can have sleepless nights over our bills, over different things, over things in, in jobs. But can you, can you imagine being told, oh, by the, way, by the way, you've got your debts and because you can't pay, we're coming for your children. I, I would be worried. I wouldn't be sleeping. I'd be thinking, okay, where can I run to? Where can I go? And she's beyond desperate. She's, she has only one hope. And she goes to... E- Elisha and she asks, bear in mind, she, she doesn't really, we don't know, but she, probably not, she doesn't really have a relationship with Elisha. She just knows that her husband was a trainee and so she doesn't even go in her own name. She goes in her husband's name. She doesn't even recognize who she is. She doesn't, the value of herself has got to a point where even her value to this person, I can't go in my own value because I'm not. I'm not good enough. If I just go by myself, they'll just turn, turn me away. I wonder, do we ever get to that point where we feel like we're not um, worthy enough, we lost who we are, there's so much discouragement, there's so much crisis that has come our way that it feels like we're just in a constant, constant battle. I know from I know from myself discouragement has come, and I know growing up in school with bullying, I used to have to fight my way into into school sometimes. I used to have to fight my way out of school just because I haven't really grown. I'm the same size I've probably always been, just being the short, just being the short one, so easy easy target. And sometimes, um, and with my dyslexia, this is a constant, constant battle of not understanding, trying to grasp. And, if it, and you just feel and feel like, I, you know, I'm trying a hundred times harder than anyone else, but yet I'm not even reaching their standard, and they're not even trying. And everyone's looking down and saying, James, you can't really do that. James, you can't read do that. And soon after a well, while, if you believe what the world is speaking into, if you believe what the enemy is speaking into, you begin to lose value in yourself. You begin to not value yourself. You begin to say, okay, I'm not actually worth that. And actually, your, your valuation of yourself, you devalue yourself. And so, although you can be the richest person in the world, you can still have a deficit of not knowing of who you are. feeling lonely. You can be a fantastic business. You can be a, a, even someone who hasn't a lot of, a lot of money but be, be poor. Be poor so else. Everyone, in every single circumstance, can have a deficit or something. And we can all live in that deficit. We can all live. In, you know, in one area of our lives are going really well, but other areas I just feel like, do you know what? Discouragement has just, it's just calm and it's just hit there and it's just rested. And I don't know about you, but discouragement, uh, especially for myself, when discouragement has flown me around, discouragement is a bold thing. When you wake up, it's right there next to you. When you're going down for your breakfast and you're eating your toast or your cereal or your porridge or whatever you do, discouragement sits right next to you. Even though you're trying to battle, you're driving on the way to work, it's there. When you're trying to meet your friends and family and you're trying to have a good time, it's right next to you. Because sometimes we don't, we don't check it. We just think, okay, I'm just going to, some, some, someone said something, s- life has happened, I've gone through this tough situation, and here I am, this must be my lot. And so we take on board perhaps what the world says, or what the enemy says, and perhaps we take on board what we say about ourselves. I always muck up. I'm always a letdown. I'm a waste of space. It would just be easier if I was to, you know, just roll over, move away, leave. Everyone would be so much more happier. Have you ever felt those thoughts? Battle those thoughts? We get to a place where we come to people and even sometimes we come to God and we see it we see ourselves as a deficit. Sometimes we don't even, co- we just like hold back because it's like, are we really worthy? Can we really come into that presence? And she's trying to strike, strike up a relationship with, with Elijah just so she can get a little bit of help. Not much, just a little bit. And I wonder if, in talking to her, and we, and we, and we read it, and, and she's and she's saying, "Look, I've got this, pro- I've got this problem," and though it doesn't say, the Bible just can't reads, It doesn't give for any pauses. It doesn't give any for any looks that they might have. It might not have given any. It just, it almost sometimes, it just states the facts. And I wonder if, when Elijah is. Elisha is, is uh, talking to this woman whether when he says, do you know what, what have you got in your house? She's looking at him going, really? Are you listening? <laughs> I don't think I explained it. I have nothing. Have you ever got those people, you ever got those friends who, they don't know the personal space, and when you're talking to them, they're just like, they're eyeballing you for a little bit too longer than you'd like, and they come up, and they come up, and although you try and step back, they take a step forward, and it's like an invitation, and so you end up doing a little dance, because although you're trying to get away, because you're like, I just want more personal space, they're like, oh, let's, go. yep. And it's just like, I wonder how much of a, Elijah, he was just looking at her, it's dead in the eye, and she's like, I haven't got anything. I haven't got anything. And he's just going, really? And he's just eyeballing her for that little bit longer than possibly that everyone's comfortable for, getting a little bit unconscious, he goes, well, I've got an oil jar. And sometimes what we have and what God has given us, sometimes we don't give credit. And, we, and, we dis, and because of the discouragement, because of what people said in our lives, whether it's the gifts, whether it's the abilities, what God's called you for, because discouragement, because frustration, business, anger has come our way, the opportunities we're given to someone else and not, and not to you, we devalue what God has placed in your life. Not for your glory, but for his. Because we, we have to remember that all the glory and honour goes back to God. And God doesn't make a mistake. So the strengths that each and every single one of you have, although be it different, which is good, that's how he created you, all the gifts that he has given you are not a mistake. You sitting here this morning no matter what people have perhaps said over you, you are not a mistake. The giftings that you have got are not a mistake. God didn't run, run, rummage around in a bag and say, oh, okay, you can have that one. He knew who you're going to meet. He knew the people who you're going to be around. He knew what you're going to do, and he's given you the gifts and abilities to equip yourself in order, because you are made in the image of God. You reflect his character. So when you show mercy and kindness and so on, you reflect and you signpost them to him. That he flows through you. He works through you. The gifts that he's given you. Why in order? Not so you find fulfillment in doing that and saying, God, you're amazing. Because I know for myself and I, I know standing here. I know my ins and outs. I know my flaws. I know my weaknesses. I know my strengths. And I know standing here is not me. I don't know how I got here. God's got a sense of humor. <laughs> but in recognizing God it is not me. It is all you. Our worship increases but also in that moment where we realise when we're giving, perhaps giving the words of encouragement to someone, because in this day, how much, we all need encouragement in this season, don't we? In this time where the world is constantly dragging people down, don't talk about social media, that's a pitfall on its own, that's a toxic pitfall of everyone trying to bring everyone down, everyone has to be right. When everyone's saying, do you know what, I'm not going to do, it. I'm not even going to say something to anyone, I'm not going to bring encouragement because I need encouragement. And in doing so, it's just a vicious echo chamber that everyone's trying to fight to be right. Everyone knows I'm right and everyone's got an opinion and there's no grace and there's no mercy and there's no kindness. But yet amongst that, God has created us to work in partner with him in order that His kingdom come and His will be done, and He flows through us. Oil, we know, in the in the Bible is represented of many things. It can it it can be a commodity that's used for trading, for cooking. We know it's oil was used in, in in the sacrifices given to God. We know that oil is used for the anointing of kings. We know it's a representation. When they talk about the oil, the oil is the representation of the, the Holy Spirit, the power, the pa- the power of God's flowing, fr- flowing, f- flowing through. And we know that God, when you're a few Christian, Christian, you believe, you know that the Holy Spirit comes and he's there and he lives inside of all of us. And he's cheering all of us on and he's cheering all of you on. And I wonder, what is he cheering you on? What is he inside you? you? What is, what is he trying to do but we're just devaluing because we just can't do that. Just can't do that. I haven't, I, I haven't got anything. I haven't got anything. And we all know that's a lie. Because God doesn't lie. He speaks truth. He speaks truth. So when we read the Bible and he says, you are our chosen one. You are my son. You are my daughter. You are my heir. You are royal priesthood. You are my beloved." And we read through all of those things that he calls us. He is not lying. Because he loves you. He's proud of you. He's made you for who you are. Quirks and all. And we all have a bit of quirks sometimes. You who you are right now are who God made you to be. But we have... As we've been talking, we have three enemies. We have Satan and some of the films out there are trying to dumb down how you know how nice Satan can be. But actually Satan hates you. He despises you. He despises me. Why? Because we're made in the image of God. Why? Because we're created. God created us. He breathed into us. God loves us. He absolutely hates that. And so the Satan has come to, to seek, to kill, and to destroy everything that you have. There's no nicey-nicey about the Satan. He's got one agenda and one, one agenda only, to see you fail. And when you fail, he's laughing his head off to the bank. And how many times do we fall into that snare? Not only that, we have to sometimes face, face and fight the world. discouragement, and the this, this situation, the circumstances comes from the world around us. And as we say, sometimes we have to fight even our thoughts, even our selfish desires. We have to fight and come our way. But that comes our way. But let me tell you, a robber doesn't rob an empty house. You don't see a car thief going up into the middle of the field and saying, I thought those was cars going to be here. It goes to somewhere where there's gonna be value, it goes to somewhere where there's significant worth that's worth that's worth stealing. Romans eleven twenty nine 29 says, the gifts and the calling Of God upon your life are irrevocable. What God has placed inside of you, He's not going to say, Do you know what? You've been a bad person, I'm taking that back. He has placed those gifts, he's placed those callings, he's placing those values inside of you. Why? Because it's for his kingdom, it's for his glory, because he wants you to exceed, he wants you to excel. Because when you exceed, when he excels, when he flows through you, when you give worship to God, when you trust in him, that when you're using your gifts, I'm going to trust God when I'm using my gifts and abilities, and I'm going to give him all the glory, I'm not going to get a big head, I'm going to check my character. When you do that, the kingdom comes, people are encouraged around us, and we show and reflect the kingdom of God, and we act and become like him. But we have a choice whether we use our. We have a choice we, what we use our gifts and abilities for. And that's the question for all of us: How are we using our gifts and abilities? Are they to encourage, or are they, or are they to discourage? I know personally over these last two or three, two or three, two or three years, I, have, I see myself as I try to be as encouraging as, as possible. But sometimes, and you can ask my wife, I've had to fight the discouragement, and sometimes I've perhaps said something to someone else, like actually, I've, and I've had to go and apologize say, look, that has come out of frustration, that has come out, I've not mean that, it's just worn me down, I've lowered my guard, instead of being encouraging, i said that, and I've had to go and apologize to a few people. I wonder as part of the first step of recognising our gifts and abilities is to recognise, okay God, I haven't perhaps used these gifts and abilities in an instructive way, a constructive way. Perhaps sometimes we might need to, in this journey, in the start, just go up to someone and say, do you know what? I'm really sorry. Would you forgive me? It's just a thought. Because as we lower ourselves... That's right, Poppy. That's my daughter at the back. Preach it. As much as we lower ourselves, as John the Baptist says, when I lower myself and give God all the glory and the praise, he'll work through. But I wonder what she, when, when Elisha turned around to her and said, do you know what? I want you to go and, um, yeah, can you just go and just grab other vessels from and other jars and other jugs from other places, and just just bring just bring them. And what you have left, I just want you to see, just pour into them. I wonder the look on her face, and she's thinking, "But I'm a bad investment. No, I'm broke. I've got debts. No one's going to invest in, in me." Have you ever felt that? God, why would you want to bless me? I'm a bad investment. You wouldn't do, you wouldn't do that. But yet the Bible still makes it clear that while we were still sinners, he, he comes, he still pours. And sometimes when we live in that discouragement, when we live in that anger, when we live in that bitterness, we stop pouring what we have because we think, do you know what, I just have to keep what I have. Because if I give what I have, I'll have nothing left. And I'm on empty right now. I have nothing to give so I'm going to let the kids do what they want because I'm not even going to challenge that because I'm on empty. I'm going to let workplace do it. I'm just going to let people do what they want. I'm not going to challenge it. Why? Because I have nothing to give. I'm on empty and I've just got a small bit and I'm not going to pour that out because if I pour that out, then I'll have absolutely nothing. And you can see the mentality going, well, if I pour, I'm going to have nothing left. And sometimes I wonder, do we feel like that? If I give, I've been let down far too much. People have just used and abused and run away. I've loved that. I loved my ex-partner, but they just ran off, so I can't love again. I can't trust people because people just let us, da- let us down. They steal, they take So I'm not going to trust anyone. I'm going to keep my guard up. I'm not going to let any, anyone in. I'm not going to be good to people because every time I'm good to people, they just use me for granted, and it's no point. I just get frustrated. I get hurt. And so I'm just going to be who I am. I'm going to keep what I've got. And this is mine. That's not godly principles. We reflect God's. We we show his love just as God shows his love to us. And time and time again, how often does God keep keep pouring and 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 keep pouring? Even when we think, God, I'm just a bad investment. But he doesn't see you like that this morning. You're not a bad investment. You are his. He died for you. He keeps pouring himself out for you, saying, no, you can do it. The enemy can't snatch what God has placed inside you. He He can only make you think that you can't do it. He can't take the gifts that God has given you, but he'll make it as if seem like God has has. And if we don't check what the the enemy, what the outside world, what we speak into our lives, we live in this deficit instead of realizing actually, that's not true. Actually, God has given me something to do. I have got gifts. I have got abilities. I can do, I can do it. I had a, I had a battle, um, mind battle the other, other day. Poppy was, cry, Poppy was crying, so I went over and I knew, if I sang a certain song, it would stop her crying. And it turn, so I did that, and sure enough, that stopped her crying. It's like, now now am in this parenting, doing well. And so I was doing that. Go over to read a book. But because of the words on the book... And the back and the colour of the back page meant I couldn't read because the words were jumping around, I couldn't read this book. And you go from one minute, how often can we feel like, yes, we can do it? And next minute thinking, do you know what? Am I who am I? I can't even read a children's book. And that's how I felt. Because all the words were jumping around, because the colour was the one colour in on the book. I'm thinking, how can I even do this? Am I supposed to teach my daughter how to read? Joy, tag. And, this the, and see, and again, time and time again, we have those battles. It's not necessarily the big things, it's the small things. Time and time again, the enemy will just come and lay a thought, and perhaps you have been thinking a certain way for a long period of time, and that thought just comes, and we just let that thought in. And we don't fight it, we don't, we don't give it a check. We don't say, actually, what does the Bible teach us? Because what does Elisha say, say to the one? Go in, close the door. Sometimes we just want to use our giftings and what God has given us when we have the limelight, when we have um, when we get all the praise, and people just going up and say, actually, first and foremost, it's about character. It's about can you do it behind the closed doors when nobody is is watching, not wanting praise, not wanting glory? Are you willing to pour out what God has given you and trusting Him? So when you're pouring, I wonder how many jugs and jars the kids bought because we know that they're, they're enthusiastic, aren't they? They don't just bring one. How many do you want? okay, I wonder if the whole room was like filled up and she's going, really, no more, no more. And they kept, they're bringing more in and she's got this little tap I wonder when she starts pouring and it all starts to flow and she's going, I'm trusting you, I'm trusting you. And one gets healed up and she's just like, really? I'm trusting you. And, you know, one's a push, but I wonder when she's done all of them, I wonder wonder, time and time and time again have we noticed that in all of our lives and especially in my life when we hold on to stuff and we say God we just want a a fresh blessing a fresh anointing and God's saying well you don't need a fresh blessing you don't need a fresh anointing because you didn't use the old one. You're praying for something fresh You just need to pour out what I've given you and in in the pouring out, he then restores and he gives gives more, not just for you but for the people because pouring out means it's giving to others. It's not becoming becoming a dead sea where it just flows into you and you just store everything. It's about as he pours, you give out. And as you give out, and as you're pouring out, he pours in more. He gives you the right words to say at the right time. He puts the words in your mouth. He gives the encouragement that you need. And as the psalmist, David in Psalm 20, I was gonna say 24, 23 says, no, when he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies, it's not just a random table that he's stuck up somewhere. That word is used to, in the presence of my enemies, he's laid a king's table. A table that's, rep- that's used for in, perhaps it's this, that word is described as a king's table. It's used in courts, in part of the, uh, the temple where the, the sacrifices and the incense things go. It's an important table, and it's a private table that not just anyone can rock up to and have a meal. It's the king's table, and he says, "I lay it before." It he says, "He lays it for us in the presence of our enemies." So when you get discouraged, it's that I'm going to close the door. I'm going to go back into that quiet place, and I'm going to read what's on the table and the Bible. There's, there's, they, re- they reckon there's over five thousand promises in the Bible. That's a lot of food. Plus on top, I don't know if you can get through that. Plus on top of that, it's about what God imparts into your spirit, what He says in those quiet moments. Because if you don't have those quiet moments, if you don't shut the door, if you're just living out all the time in the public, in the public, how are you getting fed? How do you check what the world is saying against you? How do you get encouraged? What's your defense? How do you know what's on the table? When Ephesians says, God has given you every spiritual blessing. I think all of us will still be trying to work that one out, and how does that work out? But I think part of that is coming and being quiet. And sitting at the table and saying, "God, do you know what? I am going to shut my mouth because time and time again, I don't know about you, but sometimes I think when that person's saying something, I just want to just think, do you know what? I just want to give them a good dose of it back. <laughs> Have you ever felt like that? I just want you know, I can give as good as you get. And but time and time again, God goes, to James. Shh. I'm just like, but he's just like, i was like, but you don't understand what's it? Like. He's like, shh." And sometimes that's the frustration between me and God. It's like God, just just let me one more t- one time, just let me. And it's like, quiet. He will vindicate you. Don't worry about what the enemy says. Don't worry about what the world says around you. Use your gifts for His glory, because the audience around, the people around you, the Satan, they are not your source of identity. It's God. So, as you keep pouring, saying, God, I'm doing this for you. I'm doing this for you because you, you have given me this. I'm going to give you all the praise, all glory, my identity. It doesn't matter if people are ungrateful. It doesn't matter if people leave. I'm going to keep on loving. I'm going to keep on being kind. I'm going to keep on being encouraging. I'm going to keep on doing what you've called me to do because my af- affirmation comes from you and not anyone else. And I'm going to keep pouring. I'm going to keep pouring. It doesn't matter if I get hurt because I will get hurt and we all get hurt and we all live with the battle scars. We all live with the war wounds but his Holy Spirit will come and comfort and give you strength and build you up. Can we pour? Are you willing to pour? God is not limited by the size of us of our vessels of what we can hold he's not limited to that he'll keep pouring and he'll keep giving he'll keep using you for as long as you keep pouring even when it's on your deathbed those last few words you say he'll pour and use those words whether it's to a doctor whether it's to a nurse whether it's to the family that around you whatever it may be Any time you start to pour, he'll work through. And sometimes when we look at the world around us and we think, but we just want to be, we just want to be recognized. Sometimes our goal should just simply be standing before Jesus in heaven and just simply have him say, Well done, good and faithful servant. And realising what that is, and out of that, everything flows. Everything flows. He'll provide everything you need. He didn't leave this woman with just deficit. Not only did he meet the need, but he said to the one, "Live on the rest." I'm not going down the word of faith, spend money, do this. But I, but I just wonder, what does that look like? Trusting that when we pour out, God will meet that need, but He'll also input into us. He'll also provide the rest. Saying, "God, I'm going to put my faith. I'm going to put my trust." I don't know what this looks like. I don't know where I'm going. But I need you to lead us. I need you to guide us. I need you. I'm going to put everything I have because I do not see the way. I just have to trust you and know that God is faithful. And if you're faithful, you're not going to leave us. You're not going to forsake us. I'm going to hold on to that, knowing that when I pour out, you're going to be there. And now come what may, whether it's good times or bad times, I know that you're going to be with me through thick and thin. Because even through the darkest valley, I shall fear no evil because your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And you'll give me strength that I can face whatever comes my way. Why? Because you are with me in the good times and in the bad times. You are never alone. You can do it. You can do it.